This is Cyber Defense Radio with your host and cybersecurity expert, Gary Malefsky. Gary brings to you another globally recognized cybersecurity executive in the hot seat today. Sitting in my hot seat today is a very special guest. Andre Walls is the Chief Information Security Officer of Customers Bank. Andre, welcome to the hot seat. Thank you for having me. So you have to protect potentially billions of dollars every day in money at the bank, correct? Yeah, um, we're, we're responsible for protecting, you know, the, the money of our customers, um, both consumer and commercial. But I think the bigger job that we have is protecting the data, um, the information of our customers and, and, and our employees. Let's talk about that with the latest threats and geopolitical issues. Are you seeing more ransomware attacks? Are you seeing more uh, attempts at identity theft? What, what do you see hitting you pretty hard today that you could share to help other CISOs get prepared for what's coming down the pike? There are three things that I would point out. Um, you know, number one, we're seeing more attacks focused to the customer, right? Um, so the idea is, you know, instead of trying to hammer at the infrastructure, instead of the traditional brute force type of stuff, or even DDoS type of stuff, we're seeing more focused attacks on customers themselves. And I think that one of the reasons for that is there've been so many consumer breaches that hackers now have access to databases of real information. So they're able to steal passwords and credentials from, uh, from our customers, from other sources, and then they can use that real information to try to impersonate them to do bank transactions. Um, and so that sort of account compromise, uh, what, what we call account takeover, is becoming way more common than it used to be. Um, and I think the, all of those external breaches has definitely had an impact on that. The second thing that we're seeing, definitely ransomware, which is coming through the social channel, but it's also coming through traditional email phishing. We've seen a lot of our customers suffer from, on the commercial side, suffer from ransomware attacks. And, and so we've been getting more proactive and getting more involved with our commercial customers and helping them prevent ransomware attacks. We're continuing to ramp up our information program there um, and supporting their security people. Uh, because one thing that, that people aren't aware of is banks are not allowed to help you pay ransoms. So when we know that there's a ransom, we're not allowed to wire money to a foreign entity to pay a ransom. It's actually against the law. So we try to be proactive and, and, and help our commercial customers with that. And then the third thing that I would say that we're seeing a lot of um, is just increased social engineering. Um, I think with so many, with, with so much information out there on the average individual between what you do professionally is easy to find on LinkedIn to what you like to do personally is easy to find from Facebook and Twitter and all of these other sources and Instagram. Um, privacy is, a, is at a premium and we're seeing more of the social focused attacks where people know where you work and they know your kids' names and they know these things. They try to be familiar with you. They try to pretend to be someone that you went to school with or, or, or someone that you worked with previously that you just don't remember. And they're trying to glean more information out of you so that they can steal um, even more data and in a lot of cases be able to get access to your bank accounts and credit cards and that sort of thing and compromise you in that way. So it's those three things that we're seeing um, definitely ramp up and 
you're seeing it both from individuals who are doing these things to what I like to call organized crime, which is where you have people from all over the place working together on social media. We see that all the time on Facebook and Twitter, right? Um, and on Telegram. Um, and then you also have the nation state stuff. So there's a lot going on right now. What can we do, Andre, to get a step ahead of this kind of threat? Is it because of you know, the work from home dilemma where so many of us have been working from home with computers that may or may not be company operated, company owned, and, you know, they could be a mess. They could be poor hygiene. It contributes. I mean, you know, the, the idea of the perimeter for security executives has definitely changed. You know, it used to be inside of your four walls and then it sort of expanded to your, your private clouds and then it sort of expanded to public clouds and now we have to expand it again to the personal networks of, of people working from home, right? Um, so I think we have to get rid of the idea of the perimeter as something that, that we have to pay so much attention to and start paying attention to individuals. Um, information and, and knowledge, definitely the best defense, making sure that people understand what these sorts of attacks look like, making sure that they understand how to, to, to manage their home networks, how to protect themselves when they're at the average coffee shop or, or you know, out, out and about doing work using their phone or their tablet, and making sure that people are security aware will definitely help tamp down the vector of social um, that has had such a, a heavy impact from a cyber perspective thus far. Is it possible to have perimeterless cybersecurity and zero trust at the same time? I think so. So when you look at um, how you give people access, you know, the idea of using technology that's been around forever, virtual desktops, makes it easier to have a zero trust situation, right? Now you've got a machine that is contained and confined within your environment that you manage, and you're giving people with the right credentials access to that. I think that passwordless is a, a, an important zero trust technology de-risking the user from that standpoint. So now it's all based on whether or not they can bring their thumb with them to work every day. Um, I think being able to do things like micro-segmentation in your VPN structure is important so that you limit the attack surface and scope uh, for each one of those connections. And then, you know, we, we talk about MDM all the time, but I think containerization inside of MDM is really important. The stuff that is for work needs to be inside of a container. And while it, it does change the user experience a little bit, make it a little bit difficult for the user to get access to the services and stuff that they need, when your business is in a regulated industry or in a critical infrastructure in industry, um, that difficulty is just par for the course. It's part of the reality. We, we have to make sure that we do the right things when it comes to security. But I do think that there's a way uh, to, to expand that perimeter while enabling zero trust technologies by, by refocusing and bringing those things back to center. That sounds great. And Andre, you talked about de-risking the users. Does this include training them? And do you find that you know, employees uh, and even customers care enough about cybersecurity yet that they want to be part of the de-risk process? I will say customers, definitely. I think that customers are weary now of who has their data, what and why. Um, the 
but but what's lacking in all of that is the education around what having that data means, right? So the customer on on average is going to be tech savvy enough to know that if you're offering a free product, they are the product, right? I think people are starting to get that. Facebook has taught everybody that. And so there there's more customer savvy, but not more customer awareness. And I think that there is a need for breaking down those technical concepts, making them simple for consumers to be able to absorb so that they can understand how to keep themselves secure and they can understand what the threats are. When it comes to your employees, I think that it's important to just remind them that they are the number one risk and that these training and awareness programs are important to helping them de-risk themselves, right? Which is very important. Cyber criminals have no problem hiring lately and I believe they've surpassed drug crime by over a trillion dollars. So it is a growing industry where their their hiring spree is working for them. What do we do to fill our job gaps? I mean, I believe we're going to have over a million job openings in cyber this year. How do we handle that? Part of it has to be partnerships. I do think that for whatever reason, just nationally, and I, I don't want to get political about this, but we've sort of strayed away from the idea of the trade school. Um, where there's a better opportunity for people to learn technology concepts and be able to move into a cyber career. I think that the universities have done a relatively poor job of having cyber security in and of itself and risk management as disciplines that can get degrees, right? The focus has always been on comp sci and, and it's always been on, you know, when they started getting more technical about it, it's always been things like, you know, server administration and that sort of thing. And those are the fringes. I think cybersecurity is, is sort of the coalescence of all of those things. And so you need to be able to have education that does it. So companies, I think, have to partner with their local school districts. I think that they have to partner with local universities, especially community colleges, helping to drive the discipline as, as a point of educational focus. We probably missed the mark a little bit on the incoming generation and their interest in this as a career field. And so we're going to have to stem that gap somehow. And I do think that that means transitioning people from the traditional IT fields into cybersecurity. That takes CISOs like myself, giving those folks a chance. And, and also putting together training programs that can ramp people up quickly, which I think is the job of, of, of an executive, right? Um, your, your goal when you're in that role is to bring people who can give you 90% of effort so you can provide them with 10% knowledge and skill. And the, the key is putting together a training program that's comprehensive enough to get them where they need in, in their job role and have the tools that they need but then can take them further so that they can progress in their career and feel some satisfaction in what they do. And I, I think that culturally, that's a shift that, that all cybersecurity departments need to make. I also think that the sort of separation from IT as, you know, cybersecurity is not an IT discipline. Cybersecurity is a, a people and process discipline because the technology is what it is, right? So, when, when you look at that separation and segmentation, it gives IT people an opportunity to move into cyber roles a little bit more comfortably. They're not abandoning the IT work that they were doing before. Now they're moving into a different department. So from a business strategy, it just makes sense to separate the two 
and ensure that you have some cross training and the ability to bring people in from those technology skill sets who already have the technology and now they just need the security discipline knowledge layered on top. I think that you'll get a lot of success that way. Are you personally hiring from within to help fill the gap? Uh, you know, maybe retraining and offering training programs or putting uh, team members who had an interest in this out into some trainings and courses and things in cyber? We have. The interesting thing is, as a bank, we've actually um, hired some folks from our operations areas, like loan operations and banking operations. We we have brought in some folks from you know traditional IT as well to be able to help fill those gaps. And then the the hardest thing to do in the finance industry, I will say, it is very industry centric. So people who work in banks want to hire people from banks. Most of our security staff comes from other regulated industries. So we'll look at folks from the energy sector. We'll look at folks from um, healthcare, definitely. We'll look at folks from government systems, you know, from the military. We have a number of military folks in our organization, including one person who's deployed right now. And, you know, we have a focus on that sort of what I like to call thought diversity um, to, to be able to bring people in from different areas, different disciplines, so that we don't have a myopic approach to delivering security for the bank. Andre, is there anything you'd like to share with your fellow CISOs and our viewers and listeners that we haven't covered yet today? I, you know, I think the, the biggest thing is awareness cannot be a once a year thing. You know, I, I think, uh, you know, October is cybersecurity month and, and the traditionalists will wait until October to put together a program to inform users. I think it needs to happen weekly if you can do it biweekly, if you don't have the resources or monthly, but there needs to be a drumbeat and a cadence where you put security at the center of the culture of your business and keeping people informed, sharing that knowledge with them, breaking it down to help them understand the cybersecurity threats that they're trying to protect themselves and their families from, as well as the business is extremely important. Reminding folks of, of how central they are to your company's security is extremely important. At Customers Bank, every single employee uh, is a member of our security team, from the members of the board of directors to the person in our mailroom. And that is uh, one central theme that we've made sure that we imbue throughout the entire company. That's a fantastic point and advice for uh, fellow folks in cybersecurity. Andre Walls, the Chief Information Security Officer of Customers Bank, customersbank.com. Thank you so much for joining me in the hot seat today. And then folks, come back next time for another exciting episode. You've been listening to Cyber Defense Radio. Stay tuned next time for another amazing and informative episode. CyberDefenseRadio.com is proudly part of the Cyber Defense Media Group, where InfoSec knowledge is power. Cyber Defense TV and Cyber Defense Radio have launched 24 by 7 by 365 live streams. Visit them online today at cyberdefense.tv and cyberdefense.radio with your host and globally recognized cybersecurity expert and my good friend, Gary Malewski.